Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Play to pod. Good day to you wherever you're listening to us from. This is Dr. Ruth Glynn Owen with the Play to Pod podcast. In episode two, we're going to be hearing from Vicky, mum of Jacob, about her journey from early concerns right up to diagnosis and through the first years of school. Thank you very much for coming on Play to Pod, Vicky. It's not a problem whatsoever. So it's nice to see you, although nobody listening to it is going to see you because it's not a video, <laughs> it's an auditory. Um, so just to give some, some right. kind of... Some background on um, on Jacob. How old is he now? Jacob is now eight years old. Wow, that's old, right? I think yes, when we first yes. met you, he was he was was he three? He was three, wasn't he? He was he was three. He was just it was yeah. the the first session was on the twelfth of October two thousand and fifteen. Do you have a celebration exactly. like every year? We have every year. <laughs> every year we have a wee tick. We have a wee dance. A wee boogie. We're fine. With a, uh, with a picture of Rona. With a, a picture of Rona and a cake. That's fine. That's all we need. So when did you first start to have concerns about Jacob's development? So when Jacob was about 12 months old, 13 months old, he was not walking. He wasn't talking. He wasn't babbling. He wasn't hitting any of the markers that he should have been hitting at that time. And because we had his brother, I became a wee bit concerned about his his inability to sort of just be with us. He was very happy just on his own in a corner, playing, sitting. He wouldn't interact with anybody. He didn't even watch TV. He was interested in toys. He just wanted to just sit. And books were always his thing. He was always mad keen into books. Um, so first, sort of, like, I started getting concerns there. Every time that I was raising concerns with my doctor, I was told that, oh, it's fine, he's just young. Or oh, Children develop at different stages. He'll be fine. Uh, the term it'll be fine was used over and over and over again and they became it almost became like you were being a nuisance because you had these concerns and Mm -hmm. I am nothing if not constant I will say Uh, so I had trained initially as a nursery nurse that was my training Mm -hmm. and we had had a a couple of sessions on sort of kids with additional needs kids with uh, autism uh, and different things like that. So there was markers that I had known from the training that I'd had that I could see in Jacob, and that was at sort of 12 months, 13 months old. Obviously, nobody takes you seriously at that point. They think you're being neurotic, he's too young. Uh, they, they always say that to me, he's far too young. We would never mm-hmm. diagnose, he's far too young. And I was never asking for a diagnosis, I was just asking for help, essentially just asking for somebody to take my concerns legitimately. Fast forward to Jacob being, sort of, I would say, probably about a year and a half, 18, 19 months, mm-hmm. and still not walking, still not talking, still not babbling, still not playing with anything, still just just how he was as a baby, just, just sat with a book, just happy sitting with a book. Wouldn't interact with you if you, you went near mm-hmm. him with the book, just wanted to be on his own with these books, and was quite happy. And I started just being really annoying to my doctor, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Uh, and it was almost like, you're going to have to take me seriously now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So what happened from then was every week I'd make a recurring appointment with the doctor. And it got to the point where he was just fed up seeing it. He was absolutely fed up seeing me. So <laughs> what he done You was were like he, a stalker. I was a stalker. <laughs> I was a mad stalker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what he done was he referred us to the paediatrician. And he was ref- Jacob was referred to the paediatrician not because of his behavioural problems, but because at 19 months he still wasn't walking. Uh, but at this point, I was going to take anything to get me in front of a doctor that was a paediatrician. And if it was because he wasn't walking, that was fine. And at that point, as soon as I seen the paediatrician, we started talking about his lack of sort of movement and his lack of walking. And then I began to explain his lack of sort of interaction with us as well. Uh, but again, it took some convincing. Uh, uh, a mm-hmm. neurotic mother was was how they saw me. So who did you speak to the very first point? Was that your health visitors? And, and what did they say? So health visitors initially. So we had uh, in the first 19 months of Jacob being uh, born, we had six different health visitors. Uh, and uh, from probably about 12 months to 19 months, it had four different health visitors. So I spoke to each of them individually. Uh, who just you've been neurotic you've been neurotic uh, you'll be fine children learn at different rates I'm like I, I get that children learn at different rates but he's 19 months old he should be walking at least uh, mm-hmm. and then I went to my doctor and the health visitors were being quite sparse at coming to see us because of their internal changes so mm-hmm. went to the doctor and for probably about a month I was just there every week so four times like like every week Jacob and I would go down Every week I'd have the same concerns. And then they managed mm-hmm. to fast track me to see a paediatrician up at Forth Valley Hospital. So mm-hmm. when we went to the paediatrician, the paediatrician was amazed at his height, amazed at his weight, because uh, at that stage, Jacob was probably about 20 months old, roughly-ish. And mm-hmm. he was the same height as a, an average sort of four-year-old. Uh, and the wow. same sort of, he was big. He's always been a big boy, always been big. Mm-hmm. Uh, still is. <laughs> That was huge. Um, And the reason they gave me for Jacob not walking was he was too tall for his age. And developmentally, he he couldn't balance himself because he was quite tall. Okay. And I was like... (laughs) That's an interesting interesting conclusion. I was like, (laughs) okay, okay. Fair enough. And I thought at some point the walking will come because it will come because there was nothing wrong with him. He could climb, he could crawl. And I just thought he's just lacking confidence and we'll, we'll work on that yep. ourselves. But then when we were speaking to the paediatrician, I had mentioned that his behavioural, like he had no behavioural changes from, from being a baby. He wouldn't babble, he wouldn't talk, he wouldn't interact, he wouldn't mm-hmm. speak, he wouldn't look, he didn't even say dada or anything like that. He was just silent. And at that mm-hmm. point, he took me seriously. He was the, he was the only person at that point that took me seriously. Uh, but it was almost like I had to convince him that this was the this this was the problem. And mm-hmm. I had gone with a diary of like this is what he does in a day, and I had like sort of piles and piles of these diaries of like sort of what he did, what he didn't do, what markers he hadn't met. Uh, we mm-hmm. we read book from the the sort of getting on weight phase as a baby right up, and I was like, look there's evidence here to say that I need help. We need somebody mm-hmm. to come and help us. So we had, then we were sent to speech, no, sorry, we were sent to Makaton lessons. Mm. So I was I was a bit dubious, but I thought we'll go, we'll, we'll, we'll do this because that's what they're asking us to do. So we'll go and do it. Uh, 
but my concern when doing the Makaton lessons was he doesn't look at me, he doesn't respond mm -hmm. to me when I speak, so how is he going to learn Makaton? It just it didn't compute at mm -hmm. all. Uh, and then they were like, well, you need to do Makaton before you'll get seen by a, a speech therapist. And I was like, fine. So we done a three-week course in Makaton, me and my mum. Uh, and so we done this sort of three-week course uh, in Makaton, and it was it was truly awful because nothing uh, nothing at all that we we learned in that course was going to help us with Jacob communicate because he would not mm -hmm. look at you. He couldn't understand. He did understand a bit what you were saying because he understood no, no was the thing that he understood, but sign language and and signing meant nothing to him at all absolutely nothing mm -hmm. so we then got in touch with a speech therapist and the speech therapist came out to see us now i will say at this point in the course of jacob's sort of like between the the moment where somebody took me seriously and his diagnosis was, was a 19 month period and in that 19 month period i went through six speech therapists and each and every <laughs> single get them away? well possibly <laughs> but each and every single one of them were I'd, I've, I've thrown probably about three people at my house, um, right. and and genuinely, I just they they made they didn't understand Jacob, they didn't understand the process that that Jacob sort of dealt with. They they gave me three options, which were uh, we can do nothing and we can wait and see if he progresses when he goes to primary, when he goes to nursery. We can do Macaton, which you've said that you've tried and doesn't work, or we'll do PECs. And at no point did they give me any other option. Pecs mm -hmm. we didn't want to do because it was pointing when I knew I knew in my heart that he had words, I knew that he could talk. Yeah. Uh, Macaton was pointless because he was just not interested at all, and doing nothing was not an option for us as a, a family. Mm -hmm. So we then got in touch with an educational therapist to put us in touch with an educational therapist. And Alison met Jacob when he was probably about two and a half. And just before mm -hmm. he was going to nursery. Uh, now, Alison was an early intervention therapist uh, for the local city council. And she mm -hmm. was brilliant. She was absolutely brilliant. She came to the house, she brought lots of toys, and she was playing, she played well. And she made them, she almost done what we do in a session without actually yeah. like doing it. Uh, but yeah. she understood that play was the way to get him to communicate and finding something mm -hmm. that was of interest to him. However, Jacob was starting school in the December because he was starting nursery then because he's a December baby. And mm -hmm. she came to visit us in the September and she would only see him twice before he went to nursery because we were right. too late to getting on the list to see her. So ideally, we should have been on the list earlier. And if initially, if they took my concerns, like uh, and actually done something with him when he was 12, 13 months old, she would have probably seen him like for a lot longer. Yeah. And it was Alison that mentioned Blue Skies. Uh, Alison had heard of Blue Skies and she had mentioned it to us. She'd also mentioned trying to get us to take him to a playgroup uh, and see if interacting with other children before he went to nursery would actually help him. So mm -hmm. where we are, there's a local playgroup to us uh, and, uh, and the next couple of villages down and we signed him up for playgroup there. Uh, I took him one day and it was horrific. He would not talk to children. He couldn't bear the screaming, the singing, anything mm. like that. He just he struggled. 
And then the second day that he went, my mum and dad actually picked him up and my mum was like, I can't take him back. I, can't, I, I cannot take him back. And mm. the woman at the playgroup had suggested yourselves as well, suggested those guys. So my mum said, this is twice that this has been mentioned. So... You true didn't to, wait for a hat trick. No, <laughs> so true to form, as as we do, Google is your Google is your friend at this point. So you go and immediately yep. go on and you Google anything you can find. So we found Blue Skies, and mm-hmm. that night we put off uh, an application to yourself to say like we need help. We we genuinely need help. Mm-hmm. So we we done that, uh, and that was in the uh, October 2015. Now Jacob at that point hadn't been diagnosed but we knew that there was something and we knew we needed to help him. Uh, mm-hmm. So we had our first meeting with Rona and Rona has always been his therapist throughout. Uh, mm. And I always say to everybody, and I said this to Rona, Rona knows him just as well as me and his dad, like 100%. Mm. Uh, she's got this unique bond with him and she doesn't take his nonsense because if you have Jacob on yeah. it, an inch, it takes three miles. So <laughs> he's, she's he's, she's she's been amazing for us. Now our first session in Blue Skies, we went through the the forms that we, ha- we had to do, what he did, what he liked to do. He loved mm-hmm. at that point to roll balls, roll pencils. Uh, he liked to to watch things cascade in. And Rona was like, "Oh, that's fine." So she took down all the notes, and then within about five minutes, we heard him say "ball." And mm-hmm. he'd never spoken before, never uttered a word before. And then I was in floods of tears. I couldn't stop crying. And Rona was like, okay, we've got a bit of a live one here. Fair <laughs> <laughs> enough. But we had never heard we had never heard Jacob speak before. It was it was something that mm-hmm. we knew that was there, we knew the words were there, but we'd never ever heard him speak before. Uh, and that was just within five seconds of playing with a cascading ball toy. Uh, so then it, it became a, a non sort of right we're doing this this is this is what we're doing regardless of anything else this is this is the way we're going to go yeah and it often is ball being the first word for a lot of children that we see actually a lot of children like our ball toys um and it's finding that motivation isn't it and I think like you said your your um, educational therapist really you know clicked with him initially when she started to play and nobody had tried that before and I think the issue with things like Makaton is that most children that are having these kind of challenges and showing red flags for autism, they're not motivated to want to communicate and also they can't imitate. So sign language is not particularly functional. Um, So a lot of parents are sent on these courses and and they just come home and feel quite despondent, really, because their child isn't going to respond to them. But I've had this argument several times. Do not not ever not say the word. Do not just give the hand action Mm. to them because he understands what you're saying. Exactly. And I think the thing is with Makaton is it should be used with language alongside, but a lot of people use it instead of, and it's the same with PECs as well. PECs can be quite effective to develop speech for some children. We just don't use it because we use a different approach. But most of the time when we see PECs being used, and I've done the advanced skills training in PECs. I did PECs till it came out of my ears when I was a teacher. Um, Quite often it's not done in the right way either. So, you know, it's being taught to families and children and it's not, being done properly so therefore the child isn't really learning how to use pictures to communicate um and how to then build that into speech and quite often it's a biscuit requesting system for a lot of children because they're given the biscuit biscuit symbol and then the speech therapist doesn't come back for six months or even you know six weeks is quite a long time to have a biscuit symbol um and then they come back and try and do differentiation the child is kind of like well why why would this be anything i'd want to do because this is my biscuit requesting system (laughs) and the poor parent 
yeah if you're gonna do it do it properly you know and that's yeah. that's what I feel like you can use anything as long as you know you've got an evidence base Pex has got good research behind it but yeah use it properly what were the biggest and kind of fastest changes you saw in Jacob when he started it just became much happier uh I would say that it became less it was less frustrated with us uh we were able to have that communication with him so he could ask for a a drink or he could play with a ball and didn't, do not get me wrong there was times where he was getting really annoyed with us because he just wanted to scream it out and mm-hmm. let us guess but he soon learned that he wasn't going to get anything for screaming and <laughs> he was very quick to learn that he was very quick to learn that screaming gets you nowhere and he just it was a much happier boy he was also what he actively sought out play with us and his brother mm-hmm which is something that he never done before. And for his big brother was a huge thing uh, hmm. when he started playing with him because obviously Caleb's got friends who have got siblings the same age as Jacob. And he would often say to us, why does Jacob not want to play with me? Or somebody else's brother plays with him. And I'm, you have to explain that Jacob's a wee bit different. He approaches things a wee bit differently. But when he does ask to play, it becomes such more a big deal. So we've started playing things like Kerplunk, which is, I never dreamed mm. in my life as a family of four would be playing Kerplunk. Because I just, <laughs> I mean, I, did, I genuinely, it never even crossed my mind at the start because I just thought, how are we going to do this? How we do? But you learn, you adapt, you, we play Jenga, but not like everybody else plays Jenga. We play it more like dominoes and we knock them over. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> you learn to sort of what motivates Jacob and how you can involve Caleb into it. And bringing Caleb into yeah. the sessions has really helped. We were really active at bringing both sets of grandparent and Jacob and Caleb into the sessions when we first started. Uh, we also yeah. had the the nursery that he was going to and the school. We've had like we've had a real joined up approach when it came to his his learning and what we're all doing together. Mm-hmm. Because I've had arguments with the school, I've had uh, arguments with speech therapists, I have had full-blown fights with speech therapists where I have basically <laughs> just I am I have nothing you have nothing to, to to give my child that is of any use you're not helping him with his learning yeah uh, so what is the point of you being like my actual one of the, the things I said to the woman and she was devastated I didn't even mean to be nasty was what is the point of you being here and she just sort of looked mm. at me and she was like well, well I'm here to help well you're not helping here you're distressing him because you're, you're you're showing him a board with pictures on it, he's trying to tell you what the words are, and you're telling him just to point at the picture. That's not how we do things. Yeah. Please leave. Yeah. Please leave. Please Get leave. your bag and leave. Um, and it. I think that's the problem. I think it's it's not it's not intentional on the part of the professionals working in health services, but it's that one size fits all approach that they're told just to do, and that doesn't work for most children. Every child is an individual, um, and it's trying to support professionals that aren't in this type of therapy field to think about how to think outside the box a little bit and just to go with what the child's interested in and what their motivation is and that we don't just have to point at pictures and laminate things because a child has an autism diagnosis it's almost like the moment a child has an autism diagnosis you have to go laminate every single picture or symbol of everything that you own um, and stick it on a board or put it on a 40 step visual timetable and that isn't going to work for most children of that age whether they have autism or not and that's very true and that we're learning that now, and the school are learning that now. So Jacob's had a couple of years at school, which have been quite horrific. He's just, 
he's not taken to teachers, he's had a few sort of instances where he's just he's just really struggled. They do this now and next board with him with symbols and I'm like, write it. And what, what 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 do you mean? I was like, just mm -hmm. write a list. Because they can read, can't he? They can read. So write him a list of the things that he mm. has to do, even if it's three things. But write him a list on a whiteboard and let him rub it off because that's what we do at home. We, we write him a list. This is what we're doing today. This is where we're mm -hmm. going. And then it, as he's done it, he rubs it off. He's quite happy. So during mm. lockdown, we had, he'd obviously been off. I had been off on furlough for a, a few weeks, the first sort of lockdown. And then I had been, I've been working sort of ever since. So we've bubbled up with my parent. And when the schools went back, we both, me and his dad are key workers. So he went back to school. And the school, they, there's only three of them in the class. And we had a discussion with her. Mm -hmm. And we said to her, look, he's going to struggle because it's a completely new class, completely new people. It's you that's taking the class. Like, he might struggle. This is, this is the coping mechanisms that we would use in the house. If he does anything that's like, sort of, like climbs, because mm -hmm. he does that, he climbs, ignore him. He'll not hurt himself. He knows how to get down. He's just doing it for a reaction. If he starts uh, sort of lashing out, just take him away for that situation and take away whatever it is he's got in his hand at that time or what he's wanting because he's just doing it for attention and he's doing it to get an item that he wants. And then we said about right now, he's sort of timetable mm -hmm. and like words. He's been at school probably full time for January and he moved into the new class in the last sort of lockdown, just sort of February, probably February there. And he is a superstar because mm -hmm. they're writing down his, his timetable. So he, he gets mm -hmm. three things, three things at a time. So it's, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, and you get something good that you want to do. But he's quite happy to do the first two things because he knows the third thing's yeah. coming and he's happy just to write it out. And he's happy just to sort of like sort of wipe it out. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be laminated pex boards with a now and next symbol. It just has to be a list for him. It's just like yeah. a wee list. So his behaviours improved because of that. But that's because the school have listened to us because we've always had quite a joined up approach mm. with them. And we've always been, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. Do not, under any circumstances, send them a speech therapist. Like, do not do not have speech therapists speak. <laughs> do not do it. And and to their credit, they've not. But both Graham and I... You're on a list I'm on a list. I ge genuinely list. will be somewhere. <laughs> Don't go to that woman's house. She'll fling you out. We were invited by the school to another session with a, a therapist of some description. Uh, I think it was a speech therapist, and it was a new thing they were trying. And I can't even remember what it was called. Mm -hmm. But Graham and I went and everybody said to me, behave, do not be a nightmare, do not ask <laughs> questions, sit there. And Graham, all the way You're not the allowed car, to speak. Not allowed to speak. <laughs> do not roll your eyes, do not make noises, do not sit your arms folded. Let's just go and see what they've got to say. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll behave. This woman was basically, the therapy was <laughs> uh, copying. So if your child makes a noise, copy the noise that they're making but don't actively ask them oh, to speak. Yeah. And I was like, what is the point of that? And then in the end, there was like maybe about five, fa <laughs> there was about five families that all go to the same school as, as Jacob. And there was one family that was like, we've, we've came to the conclusion that our child will never speak. And I was like, well, that's really, really sad. That is really, really sad that you, that's the conclusion you've came to. Because that is, that's, you've gave up at that point. Right. And I was like, well, if you can't help yourself and you've, 
if you've resigned yourself to this as your life, then I can't help you because you're just like there's there's no point. You can't give up. You can't be the person that gives up and just resigned yourself to the fact that this is never going to get any better. What kind of life is that for you or mm. your child? I know, and I think it's sad, isn't it? Because actually, it's not for any fault of anyone's that that happens. But I think it's that idea of you know kids with autism are seen as having very low glass ceilings in the UK, um, and they are written off from day one. And if you're told constantly that your child's never going to speak and they're never going to be able to be toilet trained and they're never going to be independent, and you're told that over and over again, it takes a certain type of person like yourself, <laughs> um, who will not will not tolerate that, and it. And just some people, I think, just maybe they they believe what they're told. And it's really sad. And I think that actually it's the damage that that does long term for that family and that child and that individual. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult because I think if you're told the same thing over and over again by professionals that you trust, you probably will end up believing it at some point in time if you're struggling yourself as well. I think that's the sad thing. Like there are days that are hard I'm not going to say that it's, it's, it's all sweetness and light there are days where I could strangle Jacob genuinely but there's days I could strangle Caleb <laughs> let's be honest mm-hmm. they're kids they're sent to try us they are they are little versions of myself they are stubborn and they have opinions and that is completely fine but the good far outweighs the bad like Saturday was a terrible day for us on Saturday Jacob had this high pitched squealing that he would not stop. And it, it resulted in me spending mm-hmm. four hours in the car with him, taking him on a car journey. And we went away and we drove halfway around Scotland just to sort of keep him quiet. And he was tired and he was fed up and he didn't want to be in the house any longer. And he's been dealing with lockdown and there's no cafes and there's no cake and he's just hating life. Mm. All he wants is a cafe and a cake. That's all he wants. He doesn't want mummy cakes, he wants cafe cakes. <laughs> and he's made that very clear. Uh, okay. That That's fine because we're all fed up. We've been doing this for a year. It's, it's a bit, we're all a bit sick of it, let's be honest. Uh, yeah. So, and, I, and I think I could probably do with a day of high-pitched screaming, to be honest. I think yeah. most of us could. It's quite therapeutic. We should take a leaf from Jacob's book and try it. <laughs> we'll try it for a wee while. So he was so, so, so upset by... But everything, nothing was like working for him. TV, he didn't want a TV, he didn't want his tablet, he didn't want to play games, he didn't want to go for a walk. He just was having a day where he just, nothing was, was he was just not happy. And that's fine because there's days where yeah. I get like that and I just want everybody to leave me in peace. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So what we've done is we took him in the car. He likes going in the car. He likes a run in the car. It just meant that we're driving for a long period of time. Uh, and probably breaking mm-hmm. copious amounts of rules that we shouldn't have been breaking. <laughs> well, uh, I think if the police stopped you and you opened the window and just had Jacob scream at them for a while, they would just let you off. Anyway. Just, you, <laughs> want, you, go? You, want, you can take him if you want. I'll happily give you up. Like, yeah, fine, take him. Uh, you can have him, or you can have, have, have me, and then <laughs> right, or I'll be in a cell. You can take me into custody <laughs> in a little cell, <laughs> and I'll be wearing my special so hockey jumper. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the journey been like for you? Since diagnosis, I guess, or since he's first started to have those concerns. So we have had a journey. I think it's been up and down, definitely been up and down. We, it took, so we've had the diagnosis from when we first had concerns to actually get the diagnosis was 19 months. The diagnosis itself was an anticlimax. It was a, you went into a room, there was the doctor, and at that time in Falkirk and Forth Valley, there was one doctor that could diagnose autism. 
he mm -hmm. came in with an A4 sheet of paper and genuinely it was one A4 sheet of paper with tick boxes and it felt like your child's sort of behaviour became a yes no tick box sort of questionnaire and that was it and if mm. at the end of it he scored x amount he was autistic and if he didn't he was not that was it Bl very black and white uh, we then were told to go through the formal diagnosis because we uh, we would get more sort of help and more doors would be open for us which was a mm -hmm. lie that was just a downright mm. lie uh, we were given the formal diagnosis on the 2nd of March. So yesterday was the anniversary of his diagnosis. So the 2nd of March 2016 is when Jacob got his diagnosis. He was 39 months old at that point. So he was he was just seen about. We knew it was happening. We knew it was coming. We knew what it was to expect. So it wasn't a shock for us. The journey for us was, I knew there was something wrong. I think mothers know. Mothers just know. You just know. I, I, I think if mm. anybody says, you just know. Getting his dad on side was really easy because I was like, here's my concerns, this is this is what I think. And we got everybody on board real quick. Nobody really dragged their heels or decided that I was being paranoid and family and friends. They just accepted mm -hmm. that and they trusted my judgment. Uh, my mum and dad and Graham's parents have been amazing. They have been truly amazing. And the bond that Jacob has with my dad is amazing he and my dad are as thick as thieves honestly uh, so my dad takes him to school every morning my dad picks him up every night and if my dad's not there to pick him up he's like where's my granddad and that's exactly how he <laughs> says it if you go if i go in to pick him up the first thing he says is where's my granddad like i don't want you're not the person to pick you, you don't take me here you don't come here go away woman <laughs> uh, it's been rocky at times there's been times that i'd like to scream uh, and I'm sure his dad's exactly the same. In fact, I know he is. But I think it's made us a wee bit stronger. I would say as a family, mm. we're a tight mm -hmm. family unit. We're we're very good at, uh, at just coming together and just uh, dealing with just dealing with everything that's going on. We're just and we've always been good at that. We've always been good at overcoming this. But the failure wasn't an option in this point. So Jacob was mm -hmm. always going to succeed, and Jacob will succeed and do whatever he wants to do. He's he's a a really clever cookie. Uh, he's mm -hmm. he's exceptionally good at the the stuff that interests him. I think that we've seen a massive difference in him over the last few years. He's grown up, of course, he's grown up, uh, mm -hmm. and he's got a lot taller. He's got a lot stronger. <laughs> uh, he's he drives me insane a lot of the times. We're he wrecks his room. He's we've, we've now had to get a in the space of the last four years. I think he's had about seven different beds. I mean, he just wow. he's a he's a big lad. He's, he likes to jump. He likes to bounce, and mm -hmm. that's that's just part and parcel of who he is. And we accept the bad with the good, but we're very honest about the bad. So not mm -hmm. every day is sweetness and light. Some days are bad. Some days are better. Some days are great. Mm -hmm. But work together and that's the main thing and it's that togetherness that, that sort of keeps it the journey sort of going and keeps us sort of plodding on definitely i think it's having that support network isn't it as well with with your family with your friends with other families going through the same thing yeah um, almost definitely so if you if you could give advice to somebody that had concerns about their little one way at the beginning what would be your top three tips so my top three tips are first is do not beat yourself up uh, do not spend time wallowing in self-pity, thinking that you've done something wrong, thinking that you are you. It's it's your fault that this is happening. 
that's always pointless. It's nobody's fault. You lose it sometimes. You're human. You get to that's 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 what happens. But this isn't anybody's fault. This is just how it is. Second thing I would say is never ever be give up. Never let a health visitor, never let a doctor, never let a pediatrician, never let a teacher, never let anybody tell you that you're wrong if you've got a legitimate concern about your child. Badger mm-hmm. them. Keep going because if you do not, if you're not consistent and keep sort of battering that door then you will get nowhere because nobody's going to come and help you you've got to go and help yourself it's as simple as that and the third thing i would say is if it doesn't feel right if you're getting advice from a health visitor from a doctor it doesn't feel right quite honestly just say i am not doing that it is not healthy for my child no and when you say no it's a word that not many people use (laughs) because they think that these are the experts (laughs) and these these people know there is no one that knows their child like you know your child. You are mm-hmm. you are a, you know your child better than anybody else. My advice is if something feels wrong for you, then it'll definitely feel wrong for them. So there's no point in putting mm-hmm. you, you or them through that. You've got yeah. to say you've just got to say no. Just keep going. Just sort of keep keep plodding along. Uh, I keep on saying to everybody, we're solid plodders, and that's what we are. And the world needs <laughs> solid plodders. Uh, yep. There is no point in wallowing and, and self-pity. There's some days where you just think, why me? But then, why know you? At the end mm-hmm. of the day, like, I know I don't know what the future holds for Jacob. The future is a, it's, but I cannot believe the difference uh, from his first session in 2015 to his sessions with Rona now. They are, mm-hmm. he's a different child. He reads, he, he, he can have a conversation with them. He is uh, he's funny, he makes jokes, he he sings, he dances, he's sarcastic, he's stubborn, <laughs> he's got all the traits of his father. <laughs> None of yours. None of mine. From the sense of humour and the singing. <laughs> uh, just keep smiling, keep going, and there will be things that make you laugh. We, I, I have a great network of support from my family and friends, and I've met great friends at Blue Skies who I speak to right, every day. We speak mm-hmm. to each other. If somebody's having a bad day, then somebody else can make them feel better. And one of my, my friends from Blue Skies, whose son goes to Blue Skies and Jacob and him are real close, she always says to me, you always see the positive. Even when mm-hmm. they've done the, the worst thing, you always see the positive. And why not? <laughs> because... Yes, yes, they might have done something really bad or they might have said something really bad. However, it might have been in context and it was a a big, city long Mm -hmm. sentence. In context, I'd say, regardless (laughs) of what they've said, that's amazing, well done. That's very words in context. Yeah, well done. (laughs) Lots of nice adjectives in that sentence. Yes, well Um, done. So what what are your hopes for the future for Jacob? Uh, I just, I hope that he's happy. Uh, I hope that he can be as independent as he possibly can. He, uh, as his parents, will will always be there to, to help him if he falls. But our job just now is to, to help him fly. We are merely a safety net for him. Uh, I would hope that he has as much an independent life as he can. Uh, and we will obviously push for that. I am nothing if not tenacious when it comes to Jacob and his learning. Uh, and dealing with the school and dealing with different people that come into the school we have had we we see the difference in them already so 
whatever the future holds for him is is going to be he's going to amaze us all uh, I, I have mm-hmm. that feeling and at the end of the day he's got a phenomenal family to back him up and i'm not just talking about me and his mm-hmm. dad i'm talking about his brother who loves him like unconditionally who is just an advocate for him completely he adores his brother he'll say to me mommy what would rona do and i'm like <laughs> okay and that's become a wee sort of thing in our house is what would rona do uh, what would Rona do? I'm going to get, get on a t-shirt. Made. I'm going to get yeah. print on a t-shirt. <laughs> what would Rona do? Uh, but that and that's the thing. Uh, Jacob Caleb says that to us all the time. What would Rona do? Rona would want him to do that. And you're like, yes, right, okay. <laughs> but sometimes you need that in your life. Sometimes you need that wee person just to actually give you a wee bit of perspective and be like, actually, this mm-hmm. is the right. This this is us being lazy and trying for an easy life. This is the help Jacob in the, <laughs> the long term. So we, we can employ Caleb as he gets older. Um, yeah, oh, you know, next year, year after. Year after, I'll be fine, totally fine. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, but that's the thing, he, he loves coming to Blue Skies. He, he loved coming to the sessions with Jacob. And he was good with Jacob. And Rona was obviously brilliant with Caleb. Mm. And even throughout lockdown, Rona was giving us stuff to help Caleb as well as Jacob. I mean, it yep. was we, it's a family. We've become this uh, big, massive family of just... And like completely nuts, we're all completely a bit mental, but we work, and <laughs> that's what you want. Um, it's very important to get siblings involved as well. I think that's one thing that we do really well. You know, if they they're feeling left out of the situation, it's not going to make life easier as a family. And giving them a bit of kind of you know empowerment as well, and how to help their sibling is really powerful. It's a fa- it's it's turned into a big massive family affair for us because. Like Graham's parents would come, my mum would come, my dad. I, it's just it made it easier to say this is what we're doing, this is how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, it yeah. became, and it's important to get everybody on board. It's a, it's a sort of joined approach, and that that's what helps consistently. Joined approach helps, and even at the school, mm-hmm. I've like the school have I've got on board like say from the, the get go because mm-hmm. they were not given an option not to. And again, <laughs> that's that's just me. That's just how I am. It's this is how we're doing yeah. it. This is what's happening. And you can get on board with it or you don't, but um, this is what's happening. And the school were brilliant. Uh, nursery were brilliant. School were brilliant. Mm-hmm. Nursery took some of the learnings that we, we sent in with Jacob and I've used them with other kids. I mean, they really yeah. have sort of embraced it, but they still need to learn that if you give Jacob a lunch, Jacob takes three miles and then you go down <laughs> a route with him. You're just like, right, okay, you've done that to yourself. Good luck trying to the best. Don't get over home. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much vicky that's, that's been right. amazing i think some of it's quite controversial we might have to edit some <laughs> <laughs> you didn't name anyone <laughs> i didn't name and shame no 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 really and shame. <laughs> no you're fine <laughs> i think we'd have to go beep, beep. beep, beep. <laughs> thank you so much to vicky for sharing a very honest account of her journey with jacob if you think that we might be able to offer you some support please go to www.blueskyautism.com or www.playtotalk.co.uk.